Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Europe's uh, B2B SaaS sales podcast. I am Patrick, and I'm very happy to welcome Sascha Meyer with me today. Nice, Sascha. We started talking a year ago, I remember, and finally we made it to the podcast. Happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Patrick. Happy to be here as well. Yes, looking forward to this. So, Sascha is the country manager of EQS Group in Switzerland, based in Zurich. And uh, yeah, he's a leading rec tech. So he's selling rec tech to compliance, uh, chief compliance officers, uh, general counsels um, and investor relations in Europe. And I am very much looking forward to this uh, discussion and to your tactical tips, Sasha. We talked a little bit about that stuff before. So I directly hand over to you for your two tactical tips and then we take it from there. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yes, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, maybe let me give you a bit of a background uh, that the audience knows actually who I am. So basically started uh, back in 2016 at EQS Group as the assistant of, of Achim Weig, founder and CEO of EQS Group. Um, as, as you mentioned, EQS Group is like a leading provider for RegTech systems. RegTech means regulatory technology. So whenever there's a regulation for a company in Europe, we try to provide the software for that. Um, had several interesting tasks there. So I started as executive assistant, um, was part of the introduction of a new SaaS product, Lie Manager. Lie stands for legal entity identifier, like an ID card for companies to do international business. Um, I was helping to set up the office uh, for EQS in Dubai. Um, and also like the, the first business activities there. And uh, in 2018, I remember that day actually, I got a call from the CEO asking me, hey, Sasha, we just acquired a company in Zurich and we need you there uh, to set up maybe the sales activities to help us to integrate it into EQS group. And yeah, sounded obviously very interesting. I then moved to Zurich, to Switzerland, and the company acquired um, was Integrity Line. Integrity Line is a, is a whistleblowing system. Um, you might have heard of that, uh, a system where people can report uh, misconduct anonymously, having a two-way encrypted communication. They had around 30 clients, was a startup with five employees, so really small but amazing references like Migro or the Swiss Post already relied on that system. And it was actually also very interesting for us because they were there were five people had 30 clients in, in Switzerland and Germany, but they never really did outbound activities. They never did sales. It was it was all inbound and, and networking of the founder. And uh, when we acquired the company, we actually thought, well, we have 30 clients. We have um, amazing product. We are EQS group. We have big marketing. Um, marketing, a huge marketing team, uh, big sales force. So it's going to be now very easy to conquer the market and become the market leader. I can tell you it was not that easy, uh, <laughs> but um, five years later, it's it's just amazing. We grew from 30 clients to 2,500 clients um, in, in Europe. We are market wow. leader in, in Switzerland. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited now to share maybe a bit about how we did that. Um, you asked me for external tips. I was really thinking about that. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, interesting story, Sasha. Definitely. Uh, so let's let's go into the two uh, tactical actionable tips first, then, and uh, let's take sure. it from there. 
Yeah, I would say connect your clients' needs with your company's purpose and become an expert in your industry. Really try to understand the human on the other side. That's what do I what do I mean with that? It's really do you understand the challenges of the client? Do you understand what their challenges are? Do you know what the, what your company's purpose is? So I really mean with that. We at EQS, for example, we 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 believe that transparency creates trust. So we try to create trusted companies with our systems. And when we started at EQS with doing sales for whistleblowing solutions, we were really like the sales company. We are like a software company doing sales for a whistleblowing system, but we did not really understand the pain of a compliance manager. Um, we tried to sell them our system. So we really had to become experts. And becoming an expert, I can share how, how we did it here in Switzerland. We, we did certifications. So I did, for example, a certification in compliance management at the University of St. Gallen, and that was extremely valuable. Um, I was surrounded by compliance professionals. I really understood the topic of compliance. I mean, and this is not just an example. This can be like applied to every other industry. Um, read, read blogs, watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts, try to engage with these with your clients, try to understand what their pain is. And um, after now really understanding our vision, trying to understand the, the issues, the challenges of the clients, being an expert really brought us to a position where we were not just like trying to sell a system, we really tried to solve their problem. And um, what, I, what I also would say here is what's important is, we call it transparency, Chris, trust. You heard that, I just said it. I think what was also very important in these last five years was really that we that we were transparent. We were transparent if if our solution was not the right fit. We explained them that something was not available. We did not try to sell something just to get a deal. We were really being honest and clients very like pretty appreciated that. So um that that were that I think that that's that's Maybe like the first actionable tip I have. Yeah, let's let's quickly dive into uh, one thing that you mentioned at the beginning. You know that two to three, the first two to three years, it was quite slow. You had a team, but it was still. It took you some time to figure stuff a little bit out. Right? These these challenges, I guess. What was the reason for that? You think that it took like two, a few years, let's say, or it took time to figure that out because that's a struggle why i'm asking is because it's a struggle for many startups right that you 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 start with a product you think you can win customers really quickly and and easily you have the first ones but actually it takes much longer and you know before you have even product market fit but product market fit is is, is actually even later but before you even reach that sometimes it takes so long but it's really hard to describe what it actually is sometimes for me it's really hard it's difficult if somebody asks me hey, why do we not sell more sometimes i'm like there are so many factors i think uh, what do you think about that i totally understand a very good question i mean we both know every startup thinks that their solution is the best right fits a purpose fits a, like actually helps to fix a, the problem the thing is does the client actually have this problem or do they really understand where you could help them? So I think whenever you 
are in this situation, it's extremely important to reconsider your sales approach, to really um, get back with the sales teams, the marketing team, to really rethink um, your like the, the purpose or like basically the value of your solution. Because end of the day, it's we are still doing this at EQS almost every month in our team. We really think, what is the value of our system and does the client actually understand that value? Because if you try, if you can manage to do so, it's it's going to be much easier to do a sales pitch than if you really have to explain everything from scratch. I mean, you know where I'm coming from or where I'm trying mm -hmm. to get to? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I'm very, I think the same. Yes, I have a very similar opinion there. I feel like if you're not fast enough or it's not working or it's low, the urgency is not there and the, the only reason the urgency is not there is because the problem doesn't need to be solved in the next two weeks or months or so you know it's not big enough it's uh uh yeah it's just not big enough and the solution the perceived solution you have might not solve the whole problem that's at least what customers see and then they are even more like well if you only can you know the, the, the challenge is like this and if you can solve only half of this then it's you know, it's not worth pushing. So you have to kind of as a startup, as you said, focus really on the challenge, quantify the challenge. Can you do it? And and if if you, you're not selling fast enough, you have to make it bigger. You have to solve a bigger problem or even bigger problems. Or And I guess every I mean, what's also very important is try to win a first client. If you have one client, do a case study. Do like quotes, like try to try to involve clients into webinars. So that's what we also do at EQS. We do regular webinars with clients where they explain why does it help them? Why did they choose this product? So let your clients do the pitch. Let your clients do the talking because they are, you want to talk to their peers. So that's that's also one learning or one, one, one suggestion I would have here. Yeah, for, I, I agree. But that sometimes takes a bit long. You know, when you take from, starting the conversation then sold then they use it and then they have the benefits of using it sometimes that can take nine months to to 12 months right so sure yeah it's it, it it's a bit sometimes i'm like a bit impatient yeah. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> <see>. <laughs> i i get it yeah. i mean for us of course we have a, we our sales cycle is like three to two five months if it's fast sometimes it takes a bit longer so for us it really depends on on, on what, each what's company. the deal size DSI is, is really depending on several factors. It's difficult to maybe to put a number now here on the plate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we sometimes it's five figures, six figures. It really depends on the company. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, uh, the, but did you feel like in the last three years or, or in these years that you've been there that the problems you solve they also you have been solving more problems, more challenges. Or is it just that the challenge has become clearer but or have there been more challenges and the product more features more problems you solve and so on so what what was the challenge for us was really that the the mindset was not was not there yet like the the the, the switzerland or like i mean i'm focusing mainly on switzerland at the moment people did not really understand the benefits so there were a few companies and like the 30 companies i mentioned earlier these were like you know micro swiss post they were like state-of-the-art, they have state-of-the-art systems, very advanced and compliance. So these were like maybe the only 30 companies in Switzerland who actually wanted to do compliance. And 
what we learned afterwards was really that we had to try to challenge our customers. I will also come as one of my second uh, suggestion I have for action tip. Like really, you need to challenge your customer because what you mentioned earlier, they might not understand the benefit of that system. They might have a current system in place which works fine, but and they think there is no need for something else. But if you can really challenge this statement, if you can really make them feel that you are an expert and that you know what you're talking about and that there might be a huge benefit using it, they will start thinking and they might then think, okay, this is an expert. He knows what he's talking about. He's might, he might be right. So I'm going to give him a chance that that's, that's one of the things we really had to manage in Switzerland. It took a long time because in compliance, you talk about, you talk about like compliance ethics, you talk about companies cultures and like, and it's extremely difficult to change a culture or the company culture. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have an example of such a, how you challenge uh, someone or, or what example on what you can challenge customers? Because sometimes I feel like challenging. Yeah. I, I, I mean, challenge, you can show them something they might have not known, but then on the other hand, you can also, you know, something, so if they don't feel a certain pain, you can't really yeah. kind of make it have make it suddenly appear now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had a call yesterday because we just hired a new SDR. So I did a first call with him, mm -hmm. uh, calling a client, a very big Swiss company. And uh, they actually got some marketing material from us. They informed us that they have, let's say, that I, I'm going to give an example for the whistleblowing system. So they, they, they informed us that they have a whistleblowing system in place, which is working fine. So. What was important for me now is to what I also taught our SDR, we need to understand what kind of whistleblowing do they have, whistleblowing system do they have. So we called we called that that person and she informed us or she let us know that they currently use an email address. And they she said they have a physical they have a physical post box where someone can write a letter and put it inside the letterbox. So it was clear to us that they have a process. But it's 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 not anonymous. It's not it's not state of the art. It doesn't comply with data privacy regulation. So mm -hmm. it was it was a very good conversation. Even in that call, I think it doesn't make sense to tell the person that she is wrong, or that you try to push your system. It's we really challenged we really challenged her in the call. So we we asked her, well, if someone sends you a letter or puts it in the letterbox, how can you ask questions afterwards? How can you communicate? How can you get in touch with this person? Or even if someone writes an email, how can you ensure that the person is really anonymous? Because I mean, if you send an email, we all know the IP might be tracked. So we really try to give her really real, real life examples why it might make sense to have a call with us just to simply see how a digital solution could make her life easier. Um, so we really try to bring this value to the call and um, explain why it makes why it would make sense for her. I mean, in this yeah. case, it's it's maybe a bit easier for my for other solutions, but it's again always rethink what's the what's the problem, and how can you make the life of the person easier? Yeah. Cool. Cool yeah. example. Um, yeah, because in that in that in that way, um, you, you know uh, your customers, and you know why they had uh, why what was their reason to implement it. And I think 
you should always go both way in, in a sales call. You have a in a discovery call, in a first discovery call. I always say, hey, come up. You can come up with like two or three examples of challenges we're solving, and then continue the discussion with the customer. What is the most important one and dive into? But also, you need to understand. And on the other side, what is right now their most important one? Like after you had this discussion, you can't go into a disco call and say, hey, Sasha, tell me about your challenges. That doesn't work yeah. anymore, right? That's yeah. lazy and boring and nobody uh, gives, you know, wants to just give some random information. Um, so you always go both ways. You, you show, hey, my customers have these three challenges. Do you feel like they can be relevant for you? But always talking challenges, not in features or anything. That's the, the main mistake I usually see. And then ask them also what they have. 100%. I mean, maybe just to add here quickly, what's extremely important is, of course, um, preparation for the core. Uh, we really invest lots of time in prepping, like knowing about the person on the other side. We have, of course, a marketing automation tool, so we know what activities this person had on our website, if they attended webinars, like what was their feedback? Did they actually share something on it? So when we call someone, we know a lot about this person and um, of course we try to come up with problems, but of course, yeah, what you mentioned, this old approach doesn't work anymore, but this is something I would really tell to all sales heads, tell your SDR, so if you're an SDR, invest time in doing preparation for the call. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, is it that you have, you don't have such a huge base of potential, but you mentioned you have quite a lot of customers, right? But I thought compliance is usually a few, but big ones like insurances and banks. Yeah, I think compliance is it's like, a, it's a mega trend right now. So there's a huge potential. Uh, there are more and more regulations coming in Europe. I mean, there's a regulation now in Europe, the EU whistleblowing directive requiring all companies in Europe with more than 250 employees from this year and more than 50 employees from next year to have a whistleblowing system in place. Mm -hmm. So just think about how many companies are out there. With one Lucky you guys, eh? Regulatory, <laughs> uh, that's good. That's it's good because it's also so important because we really believe that compliance and having these systems in place really provide a huge benefit and value to employees. So this is what I mentioned earlier, the fit from our vision to our product, to the challenge of the client. And if you can manage to have a connection to these three points, it's going to be even easier in the sales pitch. So that's why I mentioned with rethink, rethink your vision, rethink the problems, the challenges, because this will ultimately make your, your sales approach hopefully much yeah. easier. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, so I always said there are three reasons for companies to buy. One is they, they you can help them increase their revenue. One is uh, you make them more efficient, uh, save, or save some time or pain and the third one is the risk part uh, right to help them um, reduce risk even though risk also is at some point a money money function because if you don't have such a whistleblowing system then you just you get a fine you know and then uh, that's kind of money so it's a it's risk take and they have to do it take risks because I think companies they can't like 100% of all the Regulations they have, they can't cover 100%. That's impossible these days. There are so many regulations. That's at least what I saw um, when I worked in, in the area. So they kind of calculate, make calculated, take calculated risks as well. 
Well, it's fun because you can actually sell, sell, sell on these risks. And if I also had the same case with a big bank in, in Switzerland that they had to have the system that we uh, implemented because they left the Bankiervereinigung and then they had to kind okay. of have a substitute. So they bought for, that yeah, nice. so they, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was nice indeed. It was not my skill. It was, uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> luck out there. <laughs> So let's get into, you actually have a second tactical tip, uh, uh, Sasha. We talked a lot about the first, yes. um, but there's something about, you know, uh, define clear responsibilities and short ownership mm -hmm. uh, part. Let's quickly dive into this. Yeah, I mean, even how, how the title says, I mean, how to create a healthy pipeline, predictable revenue. Um, I, I read, uh, like our CRO actually recommended me to read a book a few years ago. Uh, I guess I guess uh, you also know, we, we spoke about it earlier, uh, predictable revenue uh, from Aaron Ross, one of the most yes. amazing books I ever read. And um, it's, 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 it's really about to, to create responsibilities to ensure or to create ownership and most importantly to create accountability among the whole sales pipeline and what we really did in 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 at eqs group was really separate prospecting from closing activities so we really and i guess that's that's no common sense in in the software sales area uh, but again to point it out like we have sdrs who are slowly like really focusing on prospecting, focusing on getting out there, finding organizations who might are in need of our system. We have account executives whose job it is like to close the deal and to really guide the client through the first, like to the process of like pitching until the closing. I mean, that's, that's also common sense, but from my point of view, what's extremely important. And this is also one of our success factors, um, so SDRs many times are like like people who just left the university, right? Or like had their first job. And I think that's that it's very important that we teach them that they really understand the whole picture, that they understand the systems in order to be able to ask the right questions. Or how do you see it? How is it? How is it at unique? Would you agree with that point? Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely. I mean yeah it's a, it's a, it's it's a difficult one sometimes uh, but clear responsibility what i find difficult um by the way uh, is the is the you know aes get lazy quickly they think like i've done sdr now i only want to do closing but uh, that's the worst thing as an ae the most stupid thing you can do but uh so hard to find good AEs who do both, who are still prospectors, who own also still funnel building, and you know don't come to you at the end of the month and say, yeah, but you know if SDRs are not delivering, I can't reach my targets either. That's the worst. So it's really difficult. I think this ownership, you know, that I keep telling my AEs every single week, if you don't reach your targets, it's only your ownership. Yeah, you, if SDRs deliver or not, that's a bonus for you. Uh, but it's on you. I love, but it's really I, I love that. But it's difficult, you know, because you have, I, you know, I have really good SDRs who deliver like 20 uh, a, a, a month, and then we have not so good SDRs. I mean, not so good SDRs. All are really actually on target, but still there's a difference. And then some AEs 
get a bit more because it's in their in their country, in their region, it's easier. And so you have these discrepancies and I find it really difficult, honestly, to to handle all that. So that, that's why I think in AE actually the same. I started in Switzerland the activities. I did outbound activities. You know, you need to know how to do the job if you talk to your SDRs, of course. And I think even in AE, the best AEs are people who did outbound activities before, who, who know to ask the right questions, who know yeah. like how to get these opportunities. And also the same at EQS, of course, if there are no leads coming in, inbound or through the SDRs, our AEs are trying to do outbound. That's that's of course important. With accountability, I just mean that they have ownership for their activities, and we have meetings every Monday um, where we where we talk about the time uh, the, the 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 pipeline where we where I ask questions where you're standing. It's not to see how many opportunities they have. It's more to really see if they are close enough to understand at what step or what phase the client is currently at what do they think why is it why are we not why are we why are we not continuing in the process why are we still in the proposal stage what's the reason mm -hmm. is it because the product doesn't fit is it because of the price is it because they have internal issues mm -hmm. we want we want to know that so that you are always in charge of the of the whole sales cycle yeah do you have a do you have a framework that you use for these uh, pipeline reviews, or how do you do it exactly? Yeah, interestingly, I just read a book uh, by Ryan Hawk. I, I told you it's about um, he's talking about uh, is, the book is called Welcome to Management: um, How to Become an Excellent Leader. And it's not just for people who are new in management; it's also for people who are like in, in management or sales management positions for for many years. Basically, a collection of 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 know-how from industry experts and he says like I'm, and i also agree with that it's it's not a good idea to have like this monday morning call or monday morning meeting where our, everyone is like sitting and sharing about their their opportunities it's maybe better to have one-on-ones where you go mm -hmm. a bit deeper and to have like maybe one overall meeting but not weekly or bi-weekly like try to have not as don't try to not have like so many meetings recurring meetings um so how i do it is i try to have a, a our our sales meeting is combined with our marketing guys um starting with marketing from the top of the sales funnel so they are sharing about newly created marketing contacts um in order to inform the sdr about it to maybe take on of these people to see what kind of activities they did and then letting the sdr sharing about their outbound activities um about about their account recorded sales development needs in order to let the account executives know what new potential leads are coming in or like opportunities coming in next step so mm -hmm. i try to have this accountability among the sales funnel from marketing to the ae um, that everyone knows exactly what happens with one with one with one contact yeah yeah, it's actually pretty similar in our case. Um, yeah. By the way, so we're we're doing it very similar with the whole team, but not a a deal review. For the deal reviews, I can highly recommend the five P framework. If somebody's working uh, mid to large enterprise deals, um, where you go through a few points, like 
pain, power, people, process, and internal process and external process. Mm -hmm. Behind is like a bit of the medic framework, but a bit more focus on pain and impact of the pain, uh, which I really think makes a lot of sense. So I go through and ask the, the, the tough questions. You know, I think the, the people, they, yeah, they need to hear the tough questions, whether they assume something or whether they actually know something. And some very often, you know, you realize in these calls, hey, are you assuming it? Or do you know from like, why do you know this? And then it's because they said it. We record every call anyway, so you you know whether they said <laughs> it or not. Um, or whether they assume it. And if they assume it, they might have to find it out. Yeah, you know, it's not, yeah. And then you can reduce the risks to, to lose these deals. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, Sasha, actually time is up. Eh? Time is going by really quickly. Um, Thanks for joining, for your time, for your awesome uh, insights here. Uh, was very uh, insightful. A lot of interesting uh, tips, I think. A lot of interesting things to know to focus on in the future for, for our listeners. So thanks a lot for joining and talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Ciao.